Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, a sensual emotions coach and self-care advocate for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey who are ready to lead healthier and happier lives and improve their emotional well-being. Exploring the seasons of life is a metaphor for understanding the complexities of being alive. It's a gentle reminder that our journey is filled with ups and downs, joys and sorrows, and moments of both growth and stagnation. It's within these seasons that we learn, we evolve, and we become the most authentic and vibrant versions of ourselves. In today's episode, we have the amazing Lisa Dunlap joining us, so let's dive in and make the most of our time together. Lisa Dunlap is a holistic nurse practitioner, public speaker, healer, and coach. She helps high-achieving moms and nurses restore and revive, reignite their passions, and build profitable online holistic coaching businesses so they can leave the bedside. Lisa nearly died in order to wake up and heal from burnout and start living a life she loved. Now the women she coaches don't have to wait for rock bottom to heal. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. This is wonderful. And thanks for the introduction. I'm really, I want you to talk about your story and everything, but I wanted to also just mention, I love connecting with, you know, like-minded women who share that passion for exploring the body, mind, and spirit, because I believe, you know, nurturing all three are essential for overall well-being and personal growth. But can you just kind of go into your story and pivoting from nurse practitioner to entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a body, mind, and spirit, that's exactly what my business name, Nurse Your Soul, is about. So we align in that. And that health is, for me and for those that I coach, much more about health from a deep perspective, emotional, mental, and physical. And that really goes along with your seasons of life because it changes what we need. So yeah, I've been a nurse practitioner for, gosh, nine years now and a nurse five years before that. I have two little ones. They're now five and eight. And if we rewind, a lot of people's stories these days start at the beginning of the pandemic. And that's where mine starts. Um, It was not the beginning of burnout for me. So I was in Seattle where the pandemic unfolded and that nursing home where COVID first began is was in my territory. I was a hospice nurse practitioner, which was relatively aligned and chill job up until that point where I really loved it. I was had my own schedule. You know, a lot of nurses nowadays, really anyone who's working that feels burnt out, they struggle with not having flexibility and autonomy in their schedule. But I had that. Could go see patients anytime. But now this job became different nursing homes full of COVID. We knew nothing. We're gearing up. And it was just this really high stress. Now, so I had two little ones at the time. They was like, they were two and five. Childcare was falling through. And just like, I feel like an onion, you know, I had these layers of burnout that were building up that I didn't even know. You know, it's like we as moms, as women, as high achievers, we're going through the motions and kind of putting the signs under the rug. Like, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep doing. And, you know, on a real authentic, vulnerable level, I was um, sort of, not admitting to myself that I wasn't happy, that I wasn't feeling healthy, 
and that everything I did boosted my worth, every action, every achievement. And so all of a sudden, um, besides little signs like GI problems, irritability, dreading going to work, those were stacking up. I just, all of a sudden, I tried to run this half marathon for my 40th birthday to prove to the world because that's what us high achievers do who are doing things to get self-worth that I could run this half marathon. And my body just wouldn't do it. I, I didn't get injured. I just was having hamstring pain and I ran about half of it. And the next day I woke up and I just couldn't walk. It was like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't care for my kids. I couldn't go to work. So that was the beginning of the unraveling. And here I was starting to have identity stripped away and not being able to find worth in what I could do, right? Go to work, go run, care for my kids. And then the pandemic hits. So I'm bouncing on and off work with this high stress level, really dreading the work. I love being a hero, but at that moment, I wanted to be a hero for my family and had this journey of bouncing around to doctors, which is kind of a whole story. The doctor becomes the patient type of story and always being holistic minded anyway. I was, they were just weren't finding a cause for my pain in my hips and my back. And they started to kind of put me in this category of drug pain med seeker and chronic pain. And we don't, and I'm like, I don't want to even take those pain meds. I just didn't know what else to do. And so we get this call. We're driving up to the mountain. I'd started to use a lot of my holistic tools. I'm certified in aromatherapy, energy work, mindfulness. And I'd already started to use them and start to work on healing myself. And so my family took a ski trip sort of before Seattle went lights out. Everyone stay at home. Don't leave your house for two weeks. And I was well enough to go. We had the nanny and we had the kids. It was going to be beautiful. And I got that call. My OBGYN calls and says, can you sit down? Do you have a minute? And my heart just stopped and I everything went really quiet and just knew the news wasn't going to be good. And she said, well, we think we found the cause of your back pain, uh, but it's not good news. And so on the one hand, I felt like I'm not crazy. <laughs> they found it. And she said, we found a solid grapefruit size mass in your ovary. Now an ovary is like it's like a walnut size, really. And I thought, what? And I just sunk into my seat, you know, and I could see everything up until age 40 flash before my eyes and the next mm. 40 years. And as a hospice nurse practitioner, the first thought was ovarian cancer. And that's very quick, very deadly, silent killer. Cynthia, it was in that moment that I didn't even know what it was called, but it I practiced self-compassion. I learned to ask myself in that moment, typically up until that point, as a woman who suffered from anxiety, depression, and, and not to say that those illnesses are all because of victim mentality, but I had been the victim. It was always like, what's happening to me? Oh, woe is me. I need pity. And in that moment, I did something different. I paused and I asked myself, what is it I need in this moment? Never done that before. It was always like, when self-care was like a to-do list item or something you punt down the road. And, and I pause and they're like, you need to rush in. And, you know, and I'm looking down, I'm like, I'm not bleeding. We've been uh, trying to find this diagnosis for three months, not feeling severe pain in this moment. I'm going to the mountain. I thought, you know what? 
going to go on this trip with my family because this is what my soul needs in this time. And I couldn't control the pandemic. For the first time, I really couldn't control my body. And all I could control was my thoughts and my heart. And it was crystal clear, never had it been before, that what my heart and my mind wanted were good thoughts, good feelings. And I thought, if I'm dying, I'll go to the doctor's office in three days. (laughs) So what? And where would I rather be than this mountain with my family in my favorite place, having a really good time? And so that was a really pivotal moment for me. It was sort of that wake up of choosing the thoughts, choosing the feelings amidst the fear and the whole, the rabbit hole we can go down, right? So I, you know, as a woman, I can just imagine what you must have gone through when you got that phone call. But I want to ask you, you used the word unraveling. And that just kind of jumped out to me about, you know, everything unraveling. And can can you just talk about that for just a moment in terms with that self-compassion? Because I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you wish all women really understood about self-compassion? And I think you did a, a beautiful job of, of describing it in that moment. Yeah, I mean, beautiful. I think the unraveling continued and, you know, the story goes on. But yes, the unraveling was stripping away identities I had formerly found self-worth in. So here I was, and nurse practitioner was getting stripped away. I couldn't go to work. I was in a lot of pain. The runner, the athlete, the snowboarder, the mother who could care for children. And so here you are left sort of what I felt was a shell of myself, right? I'm laying on the couch most of these months in pain. Couldn't be a hero on the front lines. I wasn't, wasn't working in that moment. And it was, how do I find joy? How do I find worth? How do I like laugh with my children in this moment and be present without all these like extras that before had really defined me? So to me, the unraveling was peeling away these, I'm going to use the word ego, ego identities. And a lot of women identify with motherhood or their career, right? And so it's really challenging sometimes to identify with just who we are as a soul, our passion, our joy to be present. And what I found then with the months to follow as I went through this healing journey, figuring out my diagnosis, being home, um, you know, using tools, right? Because I couldn't control the world. And even doctors were saying, we're not opening shop. We're scared of COVID. So it was like, they told me, you're going to need to wait two months to find out if this is cancer. going to need to wait three months for surgery. So you have this time in uncertainty. So self-compassion really became the anchor for me. It was this practice I could do in two minutes, anywhere, anytime, stuck at home with children in pain, um, that gave me a sense of connection to myself and the community. You know, it's a four-step practice, and I can guide us through it later if you want. But really, the idea is we're not alone in our suffering. And, mm. you know, we we have this inner critic that comes in strong when we're struggling, suffering. And it's learning to speak kindly to yourself. Okay, this is terrible. I might be dying of cancer. I'm so afraid. I might be gone. 
And instead of beating ourselves up about it, because that's what we tend to do, it's like, you know what? It's okay to be afraid. I'm allowed to feel this. I'm allowed to go rest on my yoga mat every day at noon, which is what I did as a ritual. I'm allowed to do some practices to help work through this scary time. And I'm going to ask myself every day, what is it I need to feel nurtured? And that's what I did for three months while we were waiting for these answers about cancer and waiting for surgery and in moments of pain. And it was also like noticing that the more present we are, the more joy you feel. And so rather than being in my head about the past, the future, the fear, I literally just said, I want to feel joy with my children right now, today, stuck at home, picking flowers in the backyard feet in the grass, because that's what I have. And that gratitude, that presence really gave me that sense of humanness. And then from there, I could start to give again as a mother and start to envision the mask going away and ask for people around me to envision, see me surfing, see me hiking again. Um, And sometimes, you know, when you ask yourself what you need, it's to go cry or to go lie down. And this was a new paradigm for me. It was different than, well, you should spend your hour off working on a six pack of abs. You should spend your time off cleaning the house. It was uh -uh. like, I'm going to be so compassionate to myself right now that I will actually give myself within the constraints of the pandemic and being a mom what I can. And sometimes we want things that we don't need. Like, you know, you'll reach for chocolate and you're feeling kind of low and you eat the chocolate and you're like, that wasn't it. I still feel empty. You know what? I'm going to reach for my journal or a mindset book. So I don't know if that answers your question, but essentially through that journey, when they went in for surgery, they found nothing there three months later. There was no mass. There was no sign of it. It hadn't burst. Their jaws were dropped to the floor because they'd never seen anything like that. The doctors were like, what? In three months, this solid mass that we knew, we found out wasn't ovarian cancer, but it still could have been uterine. No sign of it. That is amazing. And that, and you basically did that with a power of your mind and this and the self-compassion and your holistic tools. I think so. And I want to, you know, and I believe in that, the woo-woo, the power of community, the 30 people I emailed and said, can you in your own spiritual practice, envision this going away, see healthy cells, see me as a nurse practitioner again, see me as a snowboarder. Um, I also want to, you know, believe that my children had a lot to do with it. Just reminding me, and I kept thinking, who do I want them to see? Who do I want them to see? If if I'm got cancer or I don't, do they want it? Do I want them to see me depressed on the couch, or do I want them to see me having some emotions, letting them go, and then playing with them, right? And so those gifts that wake up really allowed the healing. And then the dots connected, Cynthia. I could look backwards for six months, six years and go, this was all burnout. For me, I'm not saying for everyone who gets a mass, but for me, the dots connected and I could see all the symptoms leading to this physical ailment. And there's more that went on where I went back to work. And then it's like I had 
GI problems. So it was like this moving ball of stress. And now my body leads me when I, when there's a cue, like a back pain, a tummy pain is like, whoa, slow down girl. You know? And so it's, it was listening to my intuition and asking myself, just like you said, like, what does my soul need in this season, in this season today? And it looked different then than it does today. Um, but that daily ritual, you know, I say it's, it's a ritual till it becomes a habit and sitting, laying on my yoga mat and using some energy work and mindfulness tools and um, envisioning and journaling and those kinds of things. So Lisa, I know a little bit about the, about the story of what happened next, but can you, can you just tell our listeners about what you're doing now and, and how that transpired? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So after the surgery and no mask being there. My husband and me um, sat around a fire in our backyard in Seattle. And we just said, what are we doing? Which a lot of people did in the pandemic, right? We all had this close awareness of death, right? We said, we're scraping by, we're working full time. We're missing out on our kids stuff. We're not even doing what we love. And we just sat and this was a very important conversation. And we said to each other, what is it we want? This question is transformational for you, for me, for anyone out there listening to this. Ask yourself this question and not what is it I think I should do? What is it I can do within the limits that are not what my parents want? It was what is it we want if money wasn't an issue, location, and we just crafted. We said we want to surf more. We weren't talking location yet. We want to live by the beach. We want to have a warmer climate. We want to work less and have more time with our kids. We want to not feel burnt out, exhausted, and drained when we get home. And we started then going a little deeper. Okay, well, maybe we need to move. Lower cost of living, uh, live near the beach. Okay, I'm like, I'm miserable. I love being a nurse practitioner, but in that season of life, it wasn't working. And that it's not blame on that job per se, or even the role, right? It was just that season. And so I'm saying, you know what? I want to quit my six figure plus job. I said to my husband and we weren't wealthy. We had no real savings. Um, we're in the most expensive city, one of them in the country. And I want to help women find tools to heal, overcome burnout. And women who are at the bedside, my husband's like, oh, What? And I didn't know, Cynthia, what I would be called. I didn't know what I was like a coach or a teacher or what. I just said, I'm going to hold $15 workshops and we'll see what happens. No business training. At that moment in time, my money mindset was really like from everything I'd been conditioned. I can't spend a dime. I need to do this all for free. Um, and I quit. I quit in the middle of a pandemic with children at home, still healing from the surgery. And it was a blessed time because I got to also be with my kids and start to build a business. And it took a lot of faith yes. and courage and that belief in the vision that we created. And we, we made some big leaps. We decided to move across the country. It took us a year to my husband's home state of North Carolina. And here we are, well, you know, three years now later, but one year after that vision, we lived 10 minutes from our favorite surfing beach. 
We bought our first home. We want, he works full time. I do my business. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's transformed into one-on-one coaching, group coaching, helping nurses reignite their passions, helping nurses restore, recover from burnout. Some of them find their dream job. Some of them change careers. And now I'm helping them build their own holistic online coaching business. And so that's the journey of how Nurse Your Soul began. And well, there's been struggles on the way, but that leap was very, very pivotal for my healing. It wasn't just a leap of, oh, I want to build a business. I want to get rich or was like my husband. I said, and I looked him in the eye. I said, if I don't do this, I might not get better. And then I can't work at all. So, you know, sometimes you hit those beautiful walls that God or the universe, whatever you believe, gives you that says no more. Right now, you are on a different path. And believe me, my business gives me life and joy. And I've been healthy since. And the business is growing. And I still work a little bit as a nurse practitioner, but on my terms. As needed, eight hours a week, you know. Lisa, I cannot tell you how much I love the the full story. You know, one, you giving yourself permission, I'm going to say give yourself permission when you were doing all the, the things for your, um, your tumor. It, it was a tumor, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, they still wouldn't be able to diagnose it because that's what they went into biopsy. So you can have cells that are non-cancerous, right? And then mm-hmm. they're called a cyst. Okay. So they didn't know. It could have been a tumor. It could have been a cyst, Right. But I, but I just love that story of, of you just having that pivotal moment. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. But I think it's at those crossroads, like you said, those pivotal moments that our life changes. And then making that decision with your husband to, to move and create this new life. And I think a lot of this podcast is about that, those seasons of life. So now you have just given us this beautiful story. But... If you had to narrow down, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Yeah, I love that question. I think it's it's really um, hard to answer it in a few words. But what I'll say is, for me, it's that at that time I got really clear on my values. That word can sound cliche. But when I say values, what I mean is, what do I love? What makes me tick? What makes me get up in the morning? What do I love today? You know, the vision of the nurse practitioner with the full practice, you know, I always wanted that. Once I got there, it didn't feel right. It didn't align with my motherhood values, with my mind, body, spirit values, right? So we can, our values can change and we can have an idea back when I was 20 in that season of life. Oh, that's going to make me happy. That's going to be the thing. Then we get to the thing and we go, Now that I'm a mom, now that I'm almost 40, now that I'm very in touch with my anxiety and depression, this job isn't working for me in this season of life. And so when I think about season of life, it's about what do you value right now that gives you joy, that gives, you know, lights up your passion, that you feel in the flow, that you want to spend your time doing. Mm. And to create as much as we can. We do need to make money, right? We got to make some money, but as much as you can to feed those values, to nurture those values, 
for that season of life. So for example, right now, nature is a big value for me. And that's why surfing feeds me in this season of life because it's spiritual, it's nature, it's friends, it's exercise. Um, We get moms together to do it. And maybe not in a few years from now, right? That might change. Um, Starting to become more of a homebody, you know, in this season of life where I'm really noticing, okay, time is short with my kids. I really want more time. And you know, that even with the business is interesting because we can strive for more money, more money or whatever. But then it's like my time is valuable. So my husband and me have really been clear. More money is great, but we would rather have more time in this season than money. So sometimes we choose that, meaning we work less and we cut back. I don't know if that answers your question completely, but It does, Lisa. That is a beautiful explanation because just talking about the values, you know, it's where we are in these different seasons and what we value at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also the the permission word is fantastic. Like giving ourselves permission to change, you know, because we, my husband and me, our values start to change. We want different things and we have to navigate that. And how we do family life. And even in my business, my values have changed a bit, right? And what my intentions are with clients. And that it's okay. You know, I think even seasons of life like this last month has been all about family and guests coming. And then I keep saying to myself, why aren't you working harder? And it's still that pressure. And it's like, you know, this isn't the season for that. There's family, there's people. My kids just got off school. And so sometimes to me, a season can even just be 30 days where things look a little different. And in, and to give myself that permission to really be present rather than on my computer, right? While family's visiting, while my kids are home from school. I think the the women listening to this, because the podcast is mostly women, and but I think the women listening to this and to your story and you talking about those values and how each season just looks a little different. I think this is going to resonate so much, Lisa. It's it's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I did want to touch just a little bit on just a couple more things around daily stressors versus chronic stress. Can you just talk about? the difference in daily stressors versus chronic stress, because those two things are very different. Is that correct? Yeah. And, you know, I'll speak to this as best I can. And as a medical professional, I kind of like to think of it in those terms. Um, But yes, I would say that what happened for me was a lot of daily stressors were building up into chronic stress. And so our amygdala good old amygdala is the one that knows fight or flight, right? And so back in the day, and you've heard this, but it's always good to hear it again. We were hunter gatherers. We had to fear the lion. We had to fear the threat. But what our amygdala does with micro stressors is if we're always getting into fight or flight over little stressors, it gets patterned to do that. And our whole nervous system gets the heart rate goes fast. We stop breathing. We get tense, right? So these things affect us physiologically. And over time, we can start to go into these fight or flight with a tiny little stressor, like the coffee spilling 
You know, it's almost like a hyper, um, it's like PTSD a little bit, that hyper state um, where you're easily triggered. And so over time that adds up. And if we're getting into that stress state too much, then we can really have physiological impacts of little stressors that turn into, um, you know, high blood pressure, heart problems, GI problems. Um, and I would just say for me, and I don't know your definition of chronic stress, but for me, chronic stress is sort of that inability to manage the stress. And it, it adds up over time to where we're just constantly in a stress state. Hypervigilant, that's the word I was looking for, where we have a harder time going from sympathetic nervous system to parasympathetic, right? And so some of the tools I use, that's fight or flight to chill mode. What You can use things in a minute and get transform stress to a calm state. And the more we can do that throughout our day, the less chance we'll have of chronic stress. Because then every little stressor that comes up, big or small, we have a tool. We know how to navigate that. We know how to soothe ourselves and not be in that hypervigilant state. So I don't know if that was quite yeah. the right answer, but... Yeah, that, that's perfect. And I read this quote by Danielle Burnock, and this is kind of around the stress, but the quote was, being resilient makes you stronger on the inside to handle life on the outside. And so I all, I kind of think of that. I just, I just love that about building the resiliency. But I love that that quote, because I think of that in terms of, of stress and, and chronic stress and doing the things that we need to do to become more resilient. Absolutely. And so it, I love the word resiliency. And that's what I was learning how to do in that time was how do I calm the anxiety in this moment with a tool, the fight or flight in this moment with screaming children and pain and fear um, so that I can be calm, right? Because when we're calm, we have less inflammatory hormones going. We feel better. We have more serotonin. And guess what, guys? That helps us heal. So if you have any physical ailment going, I mean, if you don't believe in kind of some of the woo-woo, that ability to bring yourself into parasympathetic chill mode um, can really serve you in a lot of ways. And so resiliency, absolutely. You know, now I think of with clients, it's kind of like we try to lean into discomfort. We try to actually make ourselves uncomfortable. And when I say that, I mean, learning how to overcome fear or maybe like right now I'm going to go, I am training for a 10K, not a half marathon. And when I'm doing it, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Well, I'm teaching myself how to get uncomfortable, how to face fear and then when I did it and I come home from my run like I did today, I say, wow, I did it. I didn't think I could run five miles today with my friend. I did it. And I did it. And then it teaches my brain and my body, wow, you can do hard things. You can be uncomfortable and make it out the other side. So there's ways to kind of train ourselves to face hard things and overcome it because there's going to be hard things, right? No matter what? And as, if we have tools, then we know, okay, when the next hard thing comes, we can find the opportunity. We can find, you know, what can I learn from this? 
right? Rather than why is this happening to me? Lisa, you have been so wonderful as a guest, you know, given your wisdom and talking about your story. And I really, for our listeners, what's the one big takeaway that you would just really like them to take away from this episode? Yeah, I love that question because we can listen and how do we integrate, right? Yes. So I think it would be writing this down. How is it I can nurture myself in this moment today? Not tomorrow, not next week, within the constraints of my life. What can I do to nurture myself today? Maybe this moment's a little extreme because sometimes we're at work or we're driving. And it can be small. Recognizing it doesn't have to be grand. You know, if we want to feel healthier, pick one small thing that makes you feel healthier. Maybe it's going on a five-minute walk every day. It doesn't need to be what you see on Instagram. And then celebrating that rather than saying, well, it was only five minutes. I'm terrible. No, celebrate that you did it. And if you don't, laugh at yourself, right? Without judgment. You know what? I didn't walk today. So what? I was nurturing myself with a bar of chocolate and I'm not going to feel guilty. So there's these inner, that inner talk, that self-compassion is so important. And what I tell my clients when I'm starting a new ritual or habit is pick one small thing and ask yourself where, when, and how will I do it? So if you say, well, okay, I'm going to do that question. Well, think a little bit. Are you going to do that in a journal in the morning? Are you going to do that in a journal in your car when you're at the pickup line with your kids? Like create the vision of where it's going to happen And what it's going to look like, even if it's a new five-minute ritual. Because otherwise, we kind of forget to do it and try it for seven days. See how you feel. And then, you know, your brain will help. Because dopamine, you get a dopamine hit when you feel good about doing something. And then you'll say, wow, I did that. Maybe I could do 10-minute walk next week, you know? Perfect. Perfect advice. What would you thank your 18-year-old self for? Oh, this is such a great question. It's um, it's interesting, and I, I, I won't go into it, but at 18, I fell off a 50-foot cliff and was buried alive. And so that was an interesting question for me because I, I was immediately thought of, wow, you know, I would thank myself at that time for um, being resilient and learning how to face shame and embarrassment. I was snowboarding. I was in a small town. I was a snowboard instructor and it happened snowboarding. And I learned to hold my head high. And I I wrote an article to teach others about, you know, backcountry safety. So I took that, you know, lemon and turned it into lemonade and then educated myself and continued to snowboard and do all, do things correctly. And so I guess I just proud of myself for that experience because I really wanted to crawl in a cave and, you know, leave my college and all those things. And so that taught me a lot about facing fear, embarrassment, having a terrible situation where I could have died, turn into something really fantastic. Lisa, I'm going to have to have you back on just to talk about that experience because that's kind of like a cliffhanger, you know? I know. know. Well, it was funny. And it literally was a cliffhanger. I was off a cliff. I know. I know. But that's what was going on at age 18 for me. And it was a very interesting time where I didn't value my worth very much. And I, you know, had a hard childhood like a lot of us. And I didn't 
really value my life. So it woke me up to be like, whoa, I'm meant for something more. God wants me here. I fought through being buried alive in the snow. I can do anything and I'm going to be here for a purpose. And so it really gave me some meaning and purpose, which we all have, right? We don't need to fall off a cliff. But like for me, these big wake up calls have really taught me a lot. And, you know, my goal is to help people learn a lot without having near death experiences. So that's, I would just thank her for just learning how to stand up in the face of challenges. Oh, that is that's so beautiful. So can you tell our listeners where to find you, how they can work with you, a little bit about your business, your social media? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. So the easiest way to find me is nurseyoursoulwithlisa.com, just like it sounds, nurseyoursoulwithlisa.com. And there's freebies there. It'll lead you. I've got lots of self-compassion tip sheets, guided practices, Um you can join my email newsletter and, you know, I come out with tips and every couple weeks. And then I'm also on Facebook. Probably the easiest way on Facebook is just my name, Lisa Dunlap. And I share lots of tips about overcoming burnout, overcoming fear, stepping into your dreams and um, building a business. And so uh, this will, I have lots of workshops And the next one, I'm not sure exactly when this airs, but the next workshop coming up is July 9th and 10th. And that's five steps to build your online coaching uh, business without any coaching certifications or shiny objects, just doing it real simple. And so throughout the year, I do workshops and then folks can work with me. Um, I do group programs for burnout and for building a business. And then I take a few one-on-ones and this is all online and virtual. I will have all that in the show notes, but I do want to ask you, do you have a link on your website for that July 9th and 10th? Yes, I will give you the link because it is, I haven't put it on my website yet since it's coming up. So uh, new, I just kind of created it. So I will put the link, I'll send you the link and I can put that on my website too. Okay. And I'll put the link, you know, in the show notes because I do expect this to go out before that July 9th and 10th. Perfect. Yeah. It's called Bedside to Abundance, the workshop. And that's what the 10-week program is called for folks who decide to join. And, you know, mostly I work with nurses, but I've also worked with any mom or woman, high achieving woman. So it doesn't, you don't have to be in the healthcare field. All right. I have loved having you as a guest and I can't thank you enough. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. Beautiful friends, that's a wrap for today's episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on self-compassion and giving yourself permission, plus found it informative and engaging. I'm always thrilled to bring you meaningful conversations with incredible guests. If you love what you heard today, I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave me a review on your preferred podcast platform. Whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, leaving a review only takes a minute, but it means the world to me. Your reviews not only motivate me, but also helps others discover the show and join our vibrant community. A quick announcement. I'm taking a short break over the summer, recording the podcast to recharge and revitalize my creative spirit. You've heard me say many times, taking care of our emotional well-being is essential 
as it radiates positivity into every corner of our lives. So just like savoring an ice cream on a hot day, I'm indulging in this hiatus to nourish my creativity and bring forth a fresh wave of inspiration. Until next time, live inspired.